We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Peterman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And Nick Wagner, a favorite cast member, 49ers reporter for ESPN, is going to join us as well because the Debo Samuel situation has gotten entirely out of hand, and we're going to talk about it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. So Debo Samuel requested a trade, apparently, or maybe he didn't. He I don't know. He I'm did, so confused, but the reporters are, are the reporters are running with the story. I was I was told that that tweet clarified everything and straightened it all out. <laughs> that was what I was told. So, all right. So if you've been living under a rock, if, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're caught up. But Jeff Darlington from ESPN tweeted that. Uh, reported that Debo Samuel requested a trade and then um, Debo Samuel later tweeted that he did not or he said that Debo Samuel later tweeted reporters jobs is to make stories only people know the truth about situation is 49ers at Tory Dandy and Debo Samuel and that tweet has since been deleted so I'm going to run with the idea that Debo Samuel has requested a trade are we all good with that Yes. Okay. All right. I just wanted to, before I didn't, I wanted to make sure one of you guys wasn't like, actually, he said he didn't. Ergo. Nick, Nick just um, gave a thumbs up. I just want Nick to Nick to know that this is an audio medium. Yeah. I, I, I live near a train station. There was a train going okay. by. I was looking out for the listeners. Okay. Like, All right. No, just making sure. Listeners. Yeah. It's an audio professional. You should have a podcast. Um, so, Debo Samuel, Nick, we'll start with you since you're the guest. Requests a trade. What, 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 why, why did he do this? Like, let's yeah. start there. Yeah, this is, this is a really complicated situation, but this also goes back to remember last time I was on your podcast and you got tired of me saying, this is why I never say never about anything in the NFL. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is a good reason why right here, because 
you can say all you want about how much you want to keep him and all those different things, but getting deals done isn't always easy. And I think in Debo Samuel's case, there's a few factors that have contributed to getting us here. One, I think first and foremost, Debo Samuel looks around and he sees a lot of other wide receivers getting paid and getting paid big money. And you could look at that and you could say, well, he might want to wait and be the last guy to get paid because he's going to get the most money. But the problem is Debo Samuel sees himself on a different level than all those receivers. Debo Samuel sees himself as one of one, which to be fair, a lot of his teammates and coaches have described him as such many times. So I think when you look at, you know, the one thing that came out today was that Debo Samuel wasn't happy with his usage. And that was one of the issues that he has with the 49ers. I don't think that Debo Samuel necessarily has a problem with being used as a wide back. He's the one that invented the phrase, right? But what I think is happening here is that you have the kind of convergence of him trying to figure out what his value is and that usage being put to the test in terms of how it's valued. Because you could look at it from Debo Samuel's standpoint and say, I am a great wide receiver and I want to be paid as such, but I also bring this that nobody else is bringing to you. So in his mind, it's I need to be paid at a level at or above what all the top receivers are because of that. The flip side of that coin is where the 49ers are, where they can look at it and say, well, we think you're a good receiver and you've proved that. You haven't proved yourself as a receiver, just a pure receiver at the level of those other guys. And then the running back situation is those running backs aren't always valued to that level. So there's got to be a sweet spot that we can find in here between the top receivers and the top running backs. And Debo comes in right in there. And I think that's kind of where rubber is meeting the road here, where the 49ers are going to have that point. They're not willing to pay him, but Samuel wants to be paid at a level above others because he, he views himself that way as not just the top receiver, but he's also adding this extra value. Yeah, and I think another important point of context here is looking at, you know, what what happened when the 49ers signed George Kittle and Fred Warner to their contracts. Those happened right before training camp, right? Deadline spur action to borrow a a heavily used cliche. But it exists in this case because the 49ers are probably at a point where they're very early negotiations. And what happens when you're early negotiations? You're probably further apart than you will be months down the line, right? So we're we're a few months out now from the real deadline for when Debo Samuel uh, and the 49ers are likely to be closer to an agreement because the 49ers will want Debo in camp. Debo will want to be in camp in order to be in, in the best possible position to have a good season. And so for right now, it just feels like it's way early for either side to, to be jumping away. Like it appears Debo is right. So I, uh, and I know the, tra- the the NFL draft is coming next week, and that's obviously a big part of this because if the 49ers are going to trade him, they would ideally want to do it before this draft so they could at least come out of it with those picks. But, you know, I, I you've seen people tweet it, like the 49ers are not inclined to to trade Debo. They absolutely don't have to. Um, I think they it's definitely in their purview to say, yeah, we're not moving you. You're part of our team. You're under contract. Like you can either play for us or not take an accrued season. And we saw how that worked out for Le'Veon Bell. Right. So I, I just think, you know, ultimately Debo, Debo Samuels is clearly in his right to ask for and believe he's worth however much money he wants. But the 49ers are also within their right not to have, not to overpay for somebody who's only done this for one season. So like Nick said, like I, I totally understand both sides of it. Um, 
and this is just how negotiations go. They can get messy. But I think a really key point is that, you know, it's mid-April. It's not mid-July right now. And but, just, just to add to that, sorry, Kyle, just to add to that real quick, I, I think that when, when you talk about, like, deadline spring action, I do think that Debo has seen what happened with George Kittle and Fred Warner and that they did eventually get paid. But I think all those other receivers, that's why I brought that up earlier, all those other receivers getting paid brings a little bit more immediacy to it. And what we're in right now is the market is telling you that wide receivers are super valuable right now, right here, right now. And so if Debo wants to have a market for him to get paid and he doesn't believe the Niners can eventually get to where he's comfortable, he knows that he needs to do that right now because this is before the draft when those dra- those those receiver needy teams need to make a move. So there's an immediacy and urgency, I should say, for Debo Samuel right now, if he thinks that there's going to be a market that's going to take him to a level that he thinks he's worth and that he thinks the Niners won't get to. And that's an important point to make, too. Yeah, he ostensibly created his own deadline, like a week out from the draft, two weeks out from the draft, whatever it was like, hey, I'm going to make this demand now and give the team this many weeks to try and work out a deal. The question that that arises, though, is is if so. Ian Rappaport from from NFL Network reported that it isn't necessarily money. It's about role for Samuel. And I took that to mean, okay, try and follow me here. He wants X to be a wide back. And the 49ers are like, no, no, no. Like, we'll pay you Y to do that. And Typically, you come into the middle there, but Samuel is worried about the the wear and tear on his body as a running back. So I kind of wonder if that diminishes his trade value a little bit. If teams know they're going to have to pay him upwards of $26, $27, 28000000 million. And also, he no longer wants to do the thing that made him such a valuable player to begin with. Not to say he can't be an awesome receiver. I think he can, but what set him apart was you could hand to him seven or eight times a game and he's going to get you 60 yards and a touchdown on top of four catches for 90 and a touchdown. If you wipe out the rushing part of the part of his game, I wonder how many teams are going to be super eager to not only give up what they're going to have to give up to acquire him, but then also pay him as a top two or three receiver. And and that right there, Kyle, is what I was referring to when I was talking about kind of like the, the collision of his usage and his value. Because if you're, if you're sitting there as another team, why would you want to give up a bunch of picks and a whole bunch of money for a guy who's not going to give you the value of what he thinks? Now, Debo Samuel may think that he is already at that level as a pure receiver, but I know I could tell you the 49ers would probably disagree with that. And, and I would have to go and look at the numbers, but Debo Samuel is not considered a great route runner. Debo Samuel does a lot of his damage as just a receiver against zone coverage. He's not a guy who's going to go out and just beat his man one-on-one by with great routes and, and those types of things. And so, um, yeah. And that's, that's why I think, I think you make a great point, Kyle, where there's a price to pay in Debo's mind for, if you want this, if you want me to continue to be that, it's got to be on top of what it already is versus if you want me to just be a receiver, I'm ha- I can take that kind of money and do that. But he hasn't proven that as just a receiver. So that's kind of the, the, the all of the dynamics that go into this. And that's why I think from the 49ers perspective, it would be 
a happy medium between the top end of running backs and the top end of receivers. You find that sweet spot. But in his mind, it's in addition to not in the middle of. And I think that's kind of where it comes down. Yeah, like I I, I was just going to say, I think like if you're Debo Samuel, like, well, I, I provide all this all this value as a running back. So yeah, paid me elite wide receiver and potentially what I could be getting as a running back or just given like pay me per touch, you know, maybe he's doing something like that when really it's probably not sustainable over the long haul that he's going to get as many touches as he got last year. And that's, that's one of the things too, is like it's durability, right? Like Devonte Adams, Tyree kill uh, and Stefan Diggs all cashed out this off season, but it was all their third contracts, right? So they had to, they, they signed a second contract that was significantly less than their third contract because the, I mean, the, the market was much different back then. And the, and the numbers were a whole lot different back then. Those guys were getting like $14 million a year when now they're getting, you know, 24 to 30 or whatever it is. So like, I, I just, it, it, there's, there's a risk involved with Debo because of the injury stuff that's gone back to college. And then you can, you know, like how many guys get, get, Devonte Adams, Tyree Kill type contracts on the back of ten games that aren't quarterbacks. It just doesn't happen. How many, like, Chris? Jimmy Garoppolo did, and then you could even say, "Well, was that well, ultimately was that an awesome investment by the 49ers to make that decision after just you know five starts in 2017?" I know it's completely different, but it's similar in that like it's a relatively small sample size that you have to make this huge decision about. And if you're the 49ers, I understand why you wouldn't want to just give Debo Samuel. $80 million guaranteed in a five-year contract because one thing that's bit them pretty substantially in these last few years is the fact that they've paid big money deals to guys who get hurt. And it, and ultimately like you have to be wary of that. And the fact that, or the, the, the chance that Debo Samuel ends up turning into Ezekiel Elliott in a few years where it's like, man, he's making all this money, but he's so beat up now and he's taking so many hits that he's not nearly the player he once was like, that was great that they had him you know, uh, under contract and for big money for those couple of years where he was really worth it. But ultimately in four years from now, if he's on a, the fifth year of his deal and it doesn't look great, then you ultimately you're going to look back and be like, man, we probably shouldn't have signed him to this massive contract that we gave him. It's, it's Do- funny, Chris, because, uh, and Chris can vouch for me on this. My, my, and you might, I might have said this to you too, Kyle, last, last training camp, my hot take going into training camp was that I felt like if Debo had a big year, and stayed healthy, it would be a great time to trade Debo Samuel after mm-hmm. last year because because he hadn't put together, strung those seasons together, and, and showed you that he was consistently going to be the guy who puts the work in in the offseason. And then he was so good. He was so good last year that I was like, well, now they have to. They have to keep him. Like, he's just so right. unique that you and – and I still fall on the side of, like, they need to pay him because if for no other reason than they need to make Trey Lance – as comfortable as possible. And I already think they're not doing a great job of that with the offensive line. So let's not take weapons away from him in that regard. So that's kind of the thing that I keep coming back to when we talk about how this is going to play out is I can't imagine the 49ers are going to just give in here um, unless they're just completely blown away with an offer, like what the Tyreek Hill trade was. Um, But it is funny how that can change perceptions. And that's part of why I, I still sit here even now and say, I don't think they should trade Debo Samuel, but if they got a great offer, I could. There's there's a case to be made that I could understand why. Do we think? Do we? I, I shouldn't say do we. Do you guys think that he, like, actually for real, doesn't want to come back to San Francisco, or is this a negotiating tactic? Because if you're the 49ers and you think like, hey, 
whether it's this off season or next, he's not re-signing here and you're going to possibly get a first round pick for him. I, that that's, that's kind of the big question I have is, is this a legit trade request where he's just done? He doesn't want to play for the 49ers anymore. Or is this a stomping his feet and trying to say, Hey, like pay me, pay me now. Yeah, so I I was reading Matt Barrows, uh, his story about this, and he said something that I had thought up beforehand, but he but I think the 49ers feel like what defense is dealt with trying to deal with a Debo Samuel during games, right? Like he's approaching the way he's trying to get this contract done in the same ferocity that he ran right at opponents with right so it's like the it's it's the contract negotiation embodiment of Debo Samuel the player like I'm going to be as aggressive as hell and try to run through your face and does that mean that he had a falling out with Kyle Shanahan I would love to know what Kyle Shanahan's thinking right now because Kyle Shanahan and Debo Samuel seemed like best pals all season and you know they both talked about the meetings that they would have and Debo Samuel coming in and talking to Kyle Shanahan in his office about life and about how he's going to be used for the upcoming game. And so to hear all that as the season was happening and now to hear that Debo Samuel is upset about his usage, I just want to know what's like, what's true and what's not right. Like do, did, did they always have sort of this weird frosty relationship Did Debo Samuel used to think, used to tell Kyle Shanahan that he wouldn't, that he was upset with his usage and all this time that they spent together or is this something like somebody had a change of heart, right? And there were, there was a falling out at some point this offseason. I'd love to know, and I'm very dubious of the fact that we'll ever get the full truth on that. But um, to me, I think this is just Debo Samuel being Debo Samuel and that he's just super aggressive and, and going to try to run through your face, whether that's on the football field or at the negotiating table. Yeah, it's, it's hard to answer that question because we're still without a lot of information. And I don't want to sit here and just wildly speculate on – what might We're have gone, what might have gone down? I'll let you guys do that. I'll listen to the trains. Uh, but I, I think, I, I, but when I but when I look at Debo Samuel, I think Chris makes a good point. Like this is kind of how he is, and he wears his heart on his sleeve. You know, he he doesn't hide his emotions very well, as we know in the media. You know, so there's there's things when he gets annoyed, you don't have any trouble understanding that he's annoyed. Things like that. But I'll add this, and Adam Schefter said this on NFL Live today. So this is not my reporting, but. Um, he mentioned something about he believes that D- that Debo Samuel's interested in playing closer to home, um, which is something that I had not heard. And I know Debo Samuel did have a son uh, right near the end of the season, and it was hard for him. He talked a few times about how hard it was to be away from his son for that long. Um, so you know that may just be negotiating tactics, whatever you're gonna, you're going to like the Robbie Gold tax that you pay to keep him away from his family. Mm. Um, you know maybe maybe that's a part of that, but um, I think there's a lot of things at play here. And just like the idea that he's done with the 49ers. I don't think the Niners think that's the case. I think the Niners are hoping that cooler heads will prevail just based on, on what I've kind of gathered today that they're hoping that it'll still work out. But um, next Thursday is a, is a really important benchmark because it is, it is clearly the time where you would think if they are going to accept the deal that they would want to have something squared away for. Robbie Gold, widely known as the Debo Samuel of kickers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I believe. Is there a way that the 49ers like it, uh, let's let's say that I'm going to pick numbers. I'm making up numbers here just for the sake of this bit. If the 49ers are at 23 million and Debo Samuel wants 26. Is is there a way to build into his contract like incentives for rushing attempts or percentage of snaps in the backfield or something? Where it's like, okay, hey, we're going to give you 23 to be this receiver, but if you get to 25 carries this year, then you'll hit this incentive to get to the 26 that you want to do the split rolls. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And my guess is, and this goes back to what Chris was talking about earlier, the Niners view this as so early that they haven't even got to that stage yet. You know, like they're, the Niners sure. are still talking in kind of vague general terms on the contract and, and, and Debo probably wants to have it done. So that's a, that's a big disconnect. So yeah, there's always ways you can do that kind of thing. And, and I think that's a great, a great thought on your part, Kyle, of this is, this is a way that they could maybe work around this or, Hey, you know, we're going to pay you as a receiver now and we will build in that way, you know, uh, of you doing this and adding that value that way. But I think that the one thing Debo Samuel is looking at right now is he's looking at it as if you're going to pay me that premium to be the wide back, this could be the only bite of the apple that he gets. Um, right. if, if he plays yeah. that role, he's not going to get that third contract. And so that is part of why I think he's thinking that way. And it's why I understand why he's thinking that way. Uh, because if it, he, he, and his playing style on top of it, not just playing running back, but his playing style at receiver is basically like a running back. So right. all of those things, uh, I, I think it's a good, a good thought on your part, Kyle, to, to add that as incentives. But I think Debo might would prefer to, uh, you know, have that in, in guaranteed form. Sure. Could it also be that like, this could be as much about length of the contract as it is just overall, you know, like money and, and what it looks like per year. Right. Because like if you're Debo Samuel and you did what you did, you're like, yeah, give me five years, which is going to include a, a bigger guarantee than what he would get on a three-year contract say. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, obviously three and five is, is at an extreme right on either end. And, and maybe they do just agree to four, but like to Nick's point too, like, Guys who take that many hits and who play as physically as Debo Samuel does, 
they just don't last in the league as long as other guys. And if Debo Samuel is going to change his game then, and only be a receiver, then if you just take him as a pure receiver, does he deserve more money than, than Stefan Diggs and, uh, and, and Devontae Adams, right? And I think if you're the 49ers, you can make a case that in a league right now, that's probably the deepest it's ever been at receiver and it seems like receiver class after receiver class in the draft, just oh, you can always find stars that way. Why would we want to overpay for somebody who doesn't have, um, who, who is is going to take more of a physical beating? Who's already older than a rookie that we would draft? Like, why is it super? Ne- un- why is it super necessary for us to pay that guy when there are so many alternatives? Yeah, and and the, to to back up your point about the the toll that it takes on his body. Uh, Debo Samuel last year was hit nearly eight times per game on offensive touches, which was the most among wide receivers in the NFL. In his first two seasons, it was closer to five and a half. Um, so you added an extra two and a half hits per game uh, over the course of however many years. That adds up real quick. And as we know, it only takes one for injury. So just something something else to consider when you're thinking about how he views it and what his longevity is in, in terms of playing that wide back role. Yeah, and it cuts both ways, right? You could use that stat if you're the Niners or Debo Samuel in making your argument. Mm-hmm. And that's that, I think, is ultimately what's what makes this so complicated and could potentially make it so tenuous because that's a thing that like could really alter the way you view this contract from either side but it's something that they both use and and have in common when they're at the negotiating table it's insane week one is Debo Samuel lining up for the 49ers next year Chris I still think yes they don't have to trade him but you know and, and to your point that you made earlier when you asked us like I do think it's tough to justify forking over a first and a second and a mid round pick to pay Debo Samuel, what you're going to end up paying him. And like, so, you know, I, would it surprise me if, if another team offered or made that type of offer and then signed Debo long-term? No, it wouldn't, but I'm going to guess the 49ers hold tight and realize that they do carry some cards here. They don't have to trade Debo Samuel because he is under contract. Debo does not want to have to sit out the season and let's face it. Debo Samuel's best shot at huge numbers is playing for the 49ers in 2021. Yeah, I I think that is the point right there, Chris, where this is just such a mutually beneficial relationship. It is the perfect marriage of player and team and and not just like scheme, but like style of team. You know what I mean? Like this is I, I always say the Niners are built on sacks and yak and like Debo is is like the ultimate yak player. He's like Kyle Shanahan built him in a lab. If that if he could do that, that would be what what comes out. So I, I think in terms of maximizing both of both sides, it, it is certainly uh, the thing that makes the most sense for it to happen. And I'm with Chris. Like I still think at the end of the day, the 49ers, I know don't want to trade him. I think they would only consider it if they were completely blown away by an offer. And I'm just not sure they're going to get that offer. And a lot of that is big for the reasons that we've just laid out here, which is, you know, if he doesn't want to play that role, then what exactly are you getting? And are you willing to pay that freight for it? Uh, not only in compensation, but in contract. And if he does want to play that role and he's okay, and you're going to pay him at that level, are you going to get the return on investment because of the beating that he's taken? So I, I just think at the end of the day, cooler heads will probably prevail here and he will stay with the 49ers. But again, you know, you never, never say never when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I, I wouldn't be surprised by, by any result that comes here. Never say never. You often say that. 
do. Probably are, too often. Are we going to have to do a podcast episode before the draft looking at um, looking at receiving prospects? Dude, I am neck deep in Sky Moore tape right now. <laughs> oh, are you? That's it's a funny. wide receiver in this draft. This yeah. is this is this is the stuff that the listeners don't care about. But the the funny thing in the in the uh, the group chat here today was after this all happens, like crap. Do we now have to care about the draft, <laughs> dude? I'm going to be furious if my Thursday night is suddenly busy. They get a first round pick, it is going to be the worst thing ever. Although I guess it'll only be like one week of having to worry about it, as opposed to nope. uh, last year. Yeah. Well, so this is this is something we we we'd actually talked about is at, at the radio station I work out at 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. Oh. Yeah, no, I don't usually talk about that I work there, but I do. Um, we've been talking about how, like, usually about this time, like, we're neck deep at draft stuff. Every day we're talking draft and getting trying to get prospects on. And, and you know, if they're looking at a guy from Alabama, trying to get some people who cover Alabama on to talk about the guy. And we're just recently talking about how uninteresting the draft has been for the Niners this year because I'm sorry, like, hey, how deep is this year's interior offensive line clash? This isn't super <laughs> compelling radio. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, the first round matters now because you have, like the Chiefs have two first round picks. The Packers have two first round picks. The Jets have two first round picks. Like all these teams that could conceivably go after Samuel have the draft capital to go after him. And so all of a sudden that becomes a wrinkle in this offseason that i don't think anybody really foresaw shout out to draft season i'm excited to join and there's also uh there's also a pretty realistic chance that if a trade does happen it is on draft night during the first round yes yeah i mean and honestly that would be the thing that makes the most sense though is is how about the idea that the niners being more open to the to a trade if first of all that there's a receiver that kyle shanahan falls in love with and I don't even know how much work they've done on those first round receivers. I'm sure right here in recent weeks, as this has gained steam, they've probably kind of covertly done more of that. But he would need to, I would think, want to fall in love with one of those guys before he would make a trade, unless it was just such a massive offer uh, that they couldn't turn it down. But also, if it's draft night, making sure that they could actually get that guy, you know, because yeah. if there is a little run on receivers and I've, I've done just talking to some of like my colleagues at, at ESPN today, you know, that the, the, the command or the commanders, I, that's so weird. I actually, I got it right. And I thought I was getting it wrong saying, nailed it, dude. it's just not a good team name <laughs> commanders and jets and Falcons. And there's so many of these teams that are right in that, like eight to 11 range that seem like they need them. And so there's some like three or four high end guys there before you even get to some of those teams that, that Kyle just mentioned. So there could be teams kind of jockeying for position, like the Chiefs and the Packers trying to move up for guys uh, too. So there could be a lot of that, that that plays into how this ultimately shakes out also. I saw Mayoko wrote about, um, I haven't I haven't read it yet, but I need to. The idea friend of the, of the pod. 40, yeah, friend of the pod. He was great on, uh, on Monday's episode. Um, but he wrote something to the effect of the 49ers might be able to package Jimmy Garoppolo in a uh in a Debo Samuel trade who would do that Carolina you think so it's the it's the only one that makes sense to me who says no (laughs) so what's the trade maybe both teams Debo Debo (laughs) Debo and Jimmy for number six and Christian McCaffrey (laughs) 
Uh, as for number six, for number no. six, I probably would. I would think Carolina would say no to that, though. Nick, I don't. I don't know. I don't know that the Niners would say yes to that. Who's the NFL uh, Nation Panthers guy? Get him on, David, David Newton. Yeah, I don't know that the Niners would say yes to that uh, because McCaffrey, McCaffrey and Samuel, there is some a lot of similarities there. Uh, yeah, you know what? What would be the like the wide back? What would be like running receiver? I guess like that's kind of <laughs> what he is. I guess you know it's like the yeah. inverse of Debo, but they do a lot. Yeah, of but imagine having both of them. Well, how's that? How's that going to happen? Yeah, they're sw- they're swapping teams. Debo. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Imagine swapping having the other one. Yeah. If right. you're the 49ers. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. I'm not I'm not sure if you know McCaffrey has already kind of shown us the toll that it takes on the body of playing playing that position, although he is obviously more of a, a, a running back and then does receiving on the side as opposed to what Debo does. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that's a the Niners would love to find a way to maybe get something for Jimmy Garoppolo by if, if that was a, a method to do that, they'd be happy to, to undertake that. I, I'm not sure Carolina's given up. I don't know. That's a, it's, it's an interesting thought. It's an interesting thought. I'd ask for Brian Burns personally. That's me. <laughs> yeah. That would, that would make a lot of sense. I'd, yeah. It's weird, man. This, this whole thing has been very weird because I mean, I had just assumed not assumed, but like, so many good players have gotten deals done and the 49ers have appeared to make themselves as sort of a desirable destination that none of this stuff really, I mean, off the top of my head, you know, is Robbie gold. And I guess where he most like the most contentious it's really gotten for like, for, for this regime when it comes to dealing out, you know, big contracts, right? Like Trent Williams signed Fred Warner signed George Kittle signed, Richard Sherman wanted to come here and talked about how much he wanted to come here. Right. Like it's been the the 49ers have had a pretty good track record at landing these deals with their elite players that it's surprising that something like this would seemingly go so sour so quickly, because again, we are in April and typically these deals get done in July or or in August anyway. One one other thing here that I, I don't know how much it comes into play and I don't know how much the Niners care about like the, the order of how it gets done, but you know, Nick Bosa is also going to cash in and cash in heavily. Um, and he's probably going to be approaching that 30 million a year mark. And I would imagine the 49ers, and this is kind of how they've always done business. I think I might've referred to it uh, with you guys last time I was on before free agency and we were talking about Lake and Tomlinson where they have like a, they call it like a puke point, right? Like what is the biggest number that you can stomach before you can't stomach it anymore? And I, I would venture to guess that they have that with Debo Samuel and they thought that they could find a common ground and reach that with him before getting to that puke point. So I, I think when you look at it and say, would you pay $30 million a year to both Bosa and Samuel? I don't think the Niners would do that. Um, and, and I think they would do it for Bosa. I'm not sure they would do it for Samuel. Um, and that's partially just based on positional value. Um, and also the, the multiple years of, of high end productivity from Bosa. But, um, that is, that is really another little kind of piece of this puzzle of are the 49ers already getting down the road on where they think the Bosa thing is going to go. And they're trying to factor that into the equation also. There's also the element of Debo's agent working or being having DK Metcalf and AJ Brown up basically in the same, in the same situation, needing contracts after three years, after the first three years of their, their careers. 
And I just wonder what the dynamics are like with that too, because is there, is Debo trying to, I mean, does, does it matter to Debo Samuel what his numbers are relative to other people in the league, right? Like is bragging rights, it, like, does that matter in this case? Does he want to be able to say he got more money than other guys or are they just really that far apart and it doesn't really have anything to do with that? Like, I, I just wonder what the internal dynamics of like how your contract is viewed relative to the rest of the league and other receivers. Like, does do, is is are those reports about him wanting to be the highest paid non-quarterback in the league? Like, are those real? I would love to find that out at some point with these next like couple days. I have something that an angle that we need to address before we get out of here, because I saw this a lot on the internet and then working at a radio station when this news broke today. (laughs) There's a lot of consternation about the, I don't want to say the fact about Jimmy Garoppolo still being on the books and that impacting this negotiation somehow. And it doesn't. Like if you're listening to this pod and you're wondering if if Jimmy Garoppolo is not on the 49ers, if the deal would be done by now, like it wouldn't. Jimmy Garoppolo, the cap space Jimmy Garoppolo is occupying would have nothing to do with the extension that Debo Samuel is getting. It's been true of of like all the big contracts the 49ers have signed the very next year. Those cap numbers have been like tiny. Right. Like Fred Warner's and George Kittle, they each made like three or four million bucks in the first year of their new contracts. salary cap dollars right like so the the structure and because jimmy garoppolo is not going to be on the team next year when samuel's actual cap hits kick in it's it doesn't matter there's yeah it's it's worst case scenario worst worst case scenario a new deal from debo might add a little bit of money but again if you just look at going back to chris's point about the timeline of these things the 49ers in there i think in their heart of hearts believe that the Garoppolo thing would be resolved before Debo would sign in July, you know, if, if it was going to go according right. to plan, like it normally would. So um, if you're looking at it from that perspective, it really doesn't matter, but I, I I'm sure the Niners would like to get that straightened out, but the Niners also are very well aware that they're not going to get anything for Jimmy Garoppolo most likely until he proves that he can throw a football again and is healthy, which isn't going to happen until early July. So it could be a very busy July for the 49ers. And I think they hope that it is uh, on both of those counts, getting Debo signed, getting Bosa signed and, and, and moving off of Jimmy Garoppolo. But yeah, I I still think at the end of the day, I really have a hard time wrapping my mind around them, letting Debo Samuel go and then handing over the keys to a, a, basically a rookie quarterback, a young quarterback and asking him to go out there and win games because the 49ers believe they're a team that's ready to win games now and continue to win mm-hmm. games. And if they, if they move off of your best offensive weapon, again, that's no offense to George Kittle and Brandon. I, you guys, people in my mentions that were mad at me for calling Debo Samuel, the best offensive weapon on the Niners. You scoundrel. I know. I know he accounted for only 28% of their yards, which is fourth best in the league, but, uh, but it's less than half. Yeah, I know. He's, <laughs> do, do better. You want to get paid, do better. So yeah, make him play on his rookie contract and, and get up to fifty percent yardage. Yeah, twelve that, drops. Didn't didn't have a good year. Twelve drops. <laughs> that's that, I love that that comes up now. It's like actually, you know what? Debo Samuel might be bad. Are we sure Debo Samuel's good? <laughs> Here's some stuff I hear. Uh, no, um, that's the other thing that that's kind of um, a piece of this is like take Samuel off the top of their depth chart. And it's like Brandon Ayuk, who had a weird 2021, Juwan Jennings, who had a nice little end of the year. 
And then like Ray Ray McLeod. That's why I think that's why I think ultimately if they do trade him, they're going to get a haul. Right. I think there's either there's a, there's two scenarios, right? They it's, they keep them or they trade him. I don't think one scenario exists where they trade him and get ripped off or get like, get a third round pick or something, you know, like they're going to get a package that includes at least one first round pick, probably at least a first and a second and some filler, I would think. But if, if they happen to sneak two first round picks, like then you're, I, you're skipping all the way to the bank. If you're the Niners. I, I think they're, they would accept a deal that they would have accepted even if he hadn't requested a trade. Yeah. 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 That's a good way to put it. And I, I think it's, it's funny to think about the idea that a team would give up like a third round pick and then give him a massive contract, like a guy who is val- like, you know what I mean? There's usually yeah, commensurate, yeah. like the value that a team would give up to acquire a guy is then commensurate to what he would make on a contract. Right. But you don't usually see a guy, Oh, we'll give you a fifth round pick for Debo Samuel. And then we're going to give him 25 million. A year. <laughs> that's just, you know, that's just kind of how it works. His value is value across the board. Right. So uh that i think that's yeah that's certainly a part of it too uh in, the, in this big picture any more thoughts on debo no nope. we allowed to talk about debo no uh we didn't I, talk I just about debo <laughs> i'm trying to goad kyle into uh seeing i won't uh no you know it's it's funny if you guys want to hear me rant uh after the draft if they do trade debo samuel uh and then promptly use that pick on a wide receiver I will I will be happy I will be happy to oblige because I really hate it when teams create a massive need at a position by trading a really good player and then just use that pick to get his replacement. Some say that's good business. I say it's giving Javon away. Javon Kinlaw? Yeah, that would be a good example. So uh, jury's still out. Wow, jury's still out on JK. Um, I thought you were about to plug like a post draft hit you were doing on ESPN, and man, that was gonna be iconic. <laughs> in yeah. two weeks after day three of the draft find me on nfl live oh yeah you know me i'm, I'm all about self-promotion that's i know that's why it was going to be so funny <laughs> <laughs> uh all right nick thanks so much for your time man thanks for jumping on with us and uh we will subscribe rate review we won't do that we already you do. the listener should do that you, um have you ever we'll done it you subscribe rated and reviewed yeah your own podcast yeah one star hate it <laughs> Uh, I've actually I haven't reviewed I I subscribe but I I haven't I've never reviewed should I do that is that is that a I've, like is that is that a thing podcasters do is rate and review their own pods I have not done that I subscribe I want to know what your guys like little nom nom de plumes would be like that you do your review under because you wouldn't do it under your own name like not Kyle Madsen <laughs> Chris would be like golfer guy non de plumes <laughs> what what was that phrase nom de plume it's like a fake name Wow, you you must have went to Missouri. I've never heard that before. Well, now you have. <laughs> they speak French nice in Missouri. I just try to deflect from the question. <laughs> no, Chris is non, I was like, alias, pen name, like non de plume. Yeah. All right, all right, we get it. You're smart. That's fine. Mine would be Wick Nagner. Started <laughs> going smart. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. get out of here. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.